I'm your inner dream monologue and you're fast asleep. So I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Constantly put passing the ball? Yep. It's like they just took the general Asian stereotypes and they just copy-pasted onto a basketball scouting report. It's basically what it was. It makes no sense, too. I think someone on this test said, amazing at math. Like, I swear to God. It was just like... (laughs) Some cr- <laughs> like like it had nothing to do with it. I swear <laughs> to God, bro. Welcome to the worst Asian podcast, where a couple Asian American millennials give you our shitty opinions on all things Asian. My name is Unji. And I'm here with my co-host, six foot two, but not NBA superstar, Ben. Six foot two, coming out of Queens College, not finished. <laughs> Queens College, the, uh, what is that, Division Five basketball. Yes, I'm the six string uh, point guard. You and I are big basketball fans, and we have the basketball NBA season coming up. Mm-hmm. Next all day. But screw this season. I want to go back in time. Okay. Let's welcome someone to the podcast that's going to transport us back 10 years when mm-hmm. us New York Knicks fans actually had some hope. <laughs> yeah. Let's give it up for a storyteller and director of the new Jeremy Lin documentary, 38 at the Garden. Everyone, welcome Frank Chi. Thank, Thank you for having me. Thank you, sir. It's an honor. Appreciate you making time. Uh, you're on the West Coast right now, so it is way yeah. too early for you. <laughs> we will uh, you some more coffee money. <laughs> for sure. We got you. That. Starbucks uh, gift card for you. How you doing today, man? Oh, you know, I can't complain. The movie is uh, T-minus 13 days, 12 yep. days. So it comes out October 11th, so we're, we're game faces. That's the best way to put it. I'm, I'm ready. The PR tours must be taking a toll on you. You know, we're, we're like still relatively early in that stage i don't mm-hmm. mind it uh, i love talking about this i think part of it is just because it's all relative like people don't cover asian american stories and this is a moment you know we very much sort of force the issue with this movie this is a mem- moment that everybody remembers really well to be able to revisit it this way is a blessing great okay. great i guess i forgot to ask for the listeners out there can you give a quick intro on yourself mm-hmm. sure uh you know so i am a filmmaker and a storyteller an artist uh, I, I don't really consider myself to be like, you know, tied into one platform. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started my career in, in politics and like nonprofit oh, uh, sure. marketing. And uh, I'll, I'll put it this way. I'm really proud of, of all of the work that I've done. But it's only recently when I've like really started telling Asian American stories. Yeah. Um, part of that is just because what, what we just said, right? Like people don't focus and give too much attention this identity and how it belongs in in like the american experience so you know when you're getting paid to 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 do marketing and all that kind of stuff you know you're doing stuff for other identities straight up right um but recently i I would say like up until this project and even even a lot with this project like making asian american content telling compelling stories from the community i have to drag into existence my bare hands because people don't Mm. fight i'm sure you all have to run into this all the time right so I, we could get into it uh, a little deeper later mm-hmm. on, just talking about like my motivations with making this and, and whatnot. But uh, that's always been 
an example of the work that I did, like, you know, me and my friends, like, did Notorious RBG. Yeah, yeah. That's dope, but, like, it's nothing to do with me, personally. Right. It's just something that I believed in. This was a bit more personal to you. Yeah. Th- this is the most personal thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, speaking of which, um, how hard was it to actually get this whole thing, this whole project started? How hard was it to get it greenlit? Because we are not in the filmmaking industry, so... We're clueless. We imagine there takes a lot of people to yeah. say yes before things actually get greenlit. Um, look, I'll, I'll put it this way. No no names or nothing. But, um, yeah. you know, we had a couple of really big places turn us down. Mm. Um, and it was, like, really disappointing because we thought, like, they were, like, total locks. And then what we did was we were just like, hey, listen, let's go let's go raise the money ourselves. You know, we're just oh, yeah, is that what happened here? We don't need anybody else's permission to do this. And you all, I'm just going to give you all some, some in the weeds here. Like, you know, like, a lot of, a lot of our early donors were, like, Asian American from the Bay who had really fond memories of Linsanity, you know, like some early tech money. You know, you get you can imagine what the profile of the person who would donate to this, yeah, of course. Is, right? So we were like, you know, obviously, like that's the that's the group of folks who would most likely want to see this thing and has the resources to help us bring this thing to life. Um, and it's like it's sort of like I mean, when you're trying to tell Asian American stories, even one as big as Linsanity. Right. Yeah. Right. You just gotta find out all the ways you can can make it real because people are not just gonna greenlight your stuff. It's so surprising because a story like this that took the whole nation by storm, not just within our community, but with the nation as a whole, you would think that somewhere along the ten years since all this happened, someone would have made some short film, something about this. Well, yeah. I mean, so Jeremy, Jeremy has a biopic from 2013 called Insanity, but so like it's, it was like a year after it happened, right? Um, I think for for us, you know, on the 10 year anniversary of it, one, there's just more time. And two, like, and look, I won't speak for Jeremy, but I'll just quote him from Tribeca when we premiered it. He was like, mm-hmm. you know, like everything's so much better when it's not about you. Like the movie's <laughs> actually not about Jeremy. It is. Obviously, it's the story as an example. It's not a, a, a straightforward like biopic. It's mm-hmm. at the end of the moment, you all seen it. Like, I don't think, are you thinking about Jeremy at the end or are you even thinking about basketball? Or are you thinking about yourself? The main message is obviously about his career and like those couple of weeks where he took this entire nation by storm. But I think yeah. the overall message of the film is completely different. Yeah. It was really refreshing how you got other people's perspective and like how all this has culminated. Like even Joe Lacobs, the reason why he actually, I don't, am I allowed? You yeah. Know, I don't think that's any yeah. Uh, spoilers. Yeah. 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 I thought it was so cool that he gave Jeremy Lin a shot when they were like the general manager. And the reason why was because Joe was like, yo, this kid keeps beating my son. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that I was thought so that was hilarious. Crazy. That was such an inside thing. I was like, holy crap. There's a part of it that's so sad, right? Because like, crazy. It's yeah. like, what, that's what was necessary to make Linsanity real was because Joe Lacob's son played against Jeremy. I mean, like, it's amazing that that happened, right? right yeah. But like, you know, I always put it this way. And, you know, before we get to, I, I wanted to give you all like a sense of like how we came up with the idea and everything. Mm-hmm, but I'll yeah. just say this. Jeremy's story is the greatest example in the Asian American community of somebody who saw that wall of stereotypes yeah. and tries to define every single one of us. Right. And he saw every crack in that wall. And he just kept on pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing until that wall came falling down. Yeah. yeah. Right? So a crack in that wall is, you know, Harvard being D1, even though they're not giving division, uh, giving scholarships. Besides like MIT and shit, right. Right, right. And then, you know, the crack in the wall is is Joe Lacob being like, okay, yeah, we'll sign him, right? The crack in the wall is like having the opportunity to, to check into that Nets game one last time before he gets cut. 
right? right? Like we're yeah. all, if you're Asian in this country, you're looking for those cracks in the wall so you don't get defined when you walk into a party, when you walk into a meeting, when you walk down the street, right? Mm-hmm. And like that, that's why the story is so powerful to me, man. Like Jer- Jeremy's story is like all of our story. It just happened on the world stage. And, and it just shows what happens when you don't look at those stereotypes where you just give somebody a shot and you see what their value is. It's crazy to think that it took so many uh, fluky things yes. for this to even happen. Actually, for him to even get the chance to make it happen himself, that all these miscellaneous things had to happen. Because if one thing didn't happen, like if he didn't play against his son or if, I don't know, yeah. he didn't get that chance to come off that bench that one day or, you know, whatever, some fluke thing, then none of this would ever have been possible. Yeah, even the fact that Dan Tony was just like, fuck it. I'm just putting you in. You know, it's just by random chance. Tyson Ch- Tyson Channel was fucking amazing, by the way. Right? I loved how like honest he was about it. He was like, yes. yo, the Asian kid? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait, I th- he's not the water boy? Oh, he's our point guard? <laughs> oh, shit. All right, fine. They all looked at Dan Tony like he was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Just those little things that keep happening. I'm like, holy crap. You know, we, we sort of run through his highlight clips from high school and we're like, right. California State Player of the Year, California State Championship, zero recruits, right? A three-time All-Ivy League, 18 points a game, yeah. the undrafted. And then you're sitting there, you're just like, okay, like, and then you re- remember, like, we put in the pre-draft notes from the NBA scouts. Yeah, too soft. Constantly put passing the ball. Yep. It's like they just took the general Asian stereotypes and they just copy-pasted it onto a basketball scouting report. It's basically what it was. It makes no sense, too. I think someone on this test said, amazing at math. Like, I swear <laughs> to God. It was just like, some cr- <laughs> like, like, it had nothing to do with it. I swear <laughs> to God, bro. His basketball <laughs> scouting report has his SAT scores on it. <laughs> basketball, like Jeremy Lin playing basketball from high school to, to the NBA is just going downhill has the ball in his hand, you better watch out. It's like a train coming down the, down, down the lane, right? Like, how do you think that that looks, lacks confidence? Like, you might not like his style of play. That's fine. That that's. Can we say that if his name was not Jeremy Lin and he had some generic name like Jeremy Smith and no one saw a picture of him, the human being, just, just looked at his numbers, yeah. that he would definitely have gotten more offers. Oh, yeah. I, I, for sure. Look, I, I think for in the intents and purposes of having a chip on his shoulder, especially being Asian mm. in this country... We could go on and on and on about all of this, right? I think what we decided to do was just like put it in the context of talking about stereotypes, not even in the necessary sense of like how they how they like try to stop us from our dreams, but just like how mm-hmm. they become dangerous, right? And I think that was like I'll put it this way: if I were to describe this movie without any basketball, like without any basketball whatsoever, mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. say part one is about stereotypes. Part two is about what happens when someone comes out of nowhere and shatters those stereotypes on the world stage. Mm-hmm. And part three is about today when those web stereotypes have been weaponized. And when they're weaponized, they turn into anti-Asian violence. It's not very hard to understand. I mean, I don't I, I never need to explain that anybody was Asian. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like when I say that someone who's not, it's like a light bulb goes off. They're like, oh, that's what it I'm like, yeah. But like if you've had if you grew up with those stereotypes, you know they follow you around in school and, and at work. I mean, obviously, it's what it is, right? Like, they think you're weak, right? Because that's a stereotype, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, it happens. That was the main reason why we we wanted to make this movie. It wasn't actually recounting Linsanity. It was on the 10-year anniversary, during the worst time to be Asian in modern history, how do we bring attention to this? And that's why Jeremy did it. That's why we did it. 
Um, did it take a lot of convincing to get Jeremy on board with this project? Did you have to tell him that this was more than just a highlight reel mm. of the yeah. period? I'll give you all a sense of how we how we started with this thing. In 2020, I'm having a conversation with uh, one of my producers, Trayvon Free. Trayvon won the uh, 2021 Oscar for a live action short for Two Distant Strangers, right? He's just a Hollywood figure. And we're having this conversation about impossible moments, right? What is a moment when society at large assigns to a group of people saying you can't do something and then yeah. someone comes out of nowhere and shatters it, right? Mm. And we were doing it in the context of Obama. Because that, look, that's the biggest impossible moment any of us have That's a through. good example. Of course. That's right. true. So we are like, okay, what other moments feel like Obama? And I'm like, bro, I'm Asian. So <laughs> there's only one answer, right? And I, 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 he was like, man, I remember Linsanity, but I, I don't have that perspective. So I told him about my night when Jeremy dropped 38 at the Garden. And that's why the name of the movie is 38 at the Garden, because that's where I explained it to him. I was like, yep. two most magical societal moments of my life. Mm-hmm. They, the night Obama got elected president and the night Jamie dropped 38 at the garden. That's why it's called 38 at the garden. And um, I'm living, I was living in DC at the time and I, I took the train up to New York and I'm trying to get in the game. At the Lakers game? It's Penn Station. So you go straight up the escalator. Yeah, right yeah, there. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right there. I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm lit. <laughs> I missed the game in DC because he played against the Wizards. And John Wall and she, yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, yo, I'm so, I'm so mad at myself. I, I need, I need to catch this game. So I, I take the train up and like the scalpers, I mean, they, they, they know what's going on, right? Yeah, so of like, course. They got to make their bread. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're trying to charge me like $700. That was like the lowest number I could find yeah. around, around the stadium. And I was like, okay, that's not, I don't have $700, bro. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like, I want to be here for this, but like, I'm not paying $700. And you know, Koreatown's like right next door, right? Yep. Yo, yep. Shout out to so K-Town. I'm, like, okay, I'm just going to go to Koreatown. Nice. At one of the karaoke bars or something and just watch it. Okay. Look, I tell Jeremy this, like, Looking back on it, I wouldn't have traded the experience I actually had for being in the garden. Mm. Why so? I am surrounded by people who look like me, who are maybe my age or a little bit older. Yeah. And we had two hours of just people losing their shit. Okay. Yeah, it was oh, bad. It was fucking magic, imagine, bro. Yeah. Yo, I mean, I don't, I'm sure you all remember that night vividly in your own lives, right? But like, yeah. I mean, people are running around, they're crying to their beer. I was standing up, shouting and shit. And I'm look, I'm doing all those things too, but I'm I'm like an observer too. I'm like, what is yeah. this? Like, is this that wall of stereotypes we we're talking about? That like mm-hmm. it's a cathartic reaction to seeing that wall come down. Is it maybe the fact that we all had to play violin and piano with our parents <laughs> to like try to make us study for the SATs and we can live out our, our our athletic dreams or whatever? Like maybe it's both. I'll tell you what, yeah. it's certainly both for me, <laughs> right? We can relate. Yeah. yeah. So I'm explaining this to, to Trayvon. He's just like, what the hell? Like, why is that not a movie? Like, how uh-huh. did you not make that movie? Like, Linsanity from the Asian fan's perspective. You know, like, how, how is that not a movie? And mm-hmm. like, you all saw the movie. Like, the first part of the movie is called Doubt. The first thing I did when he said that to me was Doubt It. I was like, uh-huh. I was like, man, that was eight years ago. Like, nobody cares what Asian people think in this country. We're invisible. You said this was in 2020 that you pitched this. 2020, yeah. You know, look, to, to Trey's credit, he didn't, he didn't push me. He was just like, listen, man, I'm just telling you, it's a great story. <laughs> so I, like, I, I let it sit for a couple of weeks, and I'm just thinking about it. And I'm like, look, in two years, it's the 10-year anniversary. Yeah. yeah. And this is 2020, so anti-Asian violence, you know, during that COVID stretch was already picking up. And I'm like, look, if Jeremy is down, if Jeremy's down to talk about it from this perspective, mm-hmm. And we can make it about the community. We can make it about stereotypes. We can make it about it's this bigger. Moment. Then we have to do. It. We have to drag this thing into existence. 
And I talked to Trayvon a couple of weeks later. I was like, look, man, remember that idea? Like 30 years ago, like, I made a deck. All right, let's go. Oh, let's- you made a pitch deck. <laughs> yeah. And then right after that, we talked to our other producer, Samir Hernandez. Samir mm-hmm. is like, Samir knows every athlete in America. Like there's just oh, really? no way to, to put it. Like, I mean, he's like tight with Tyson Chandler. He's tight with Shump. Like, why are they in the movie? You, you, you get it, Oh, right? because he's tight with Oh, yeah. shit, yeah. Samir knows everyone. And with, within like one degree of separation, we, we were talking to Jeremy. And Jeremy, you know, it's funny when he, I won't speak for him, but like, I'll just give you like a sense of what, what that initial round was like, he was like, man, like, I'm, like, he was like, I'm just trying to make it. I'm just, I was trying to survive in the league, man. I wasn't even thinking about all this. The bigger like, impact. You know, yeah, the bigger stuff, right? He was like, I knew people were going crazy, but he was just like, I'm just like, he was like, are you sure it meant them? I'm like, bro, are you serious? <laughs> like, yes, like, he's so humble, man. Like, that's the thing about Jeremy. He's just like, he does not, he does not take this and he's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm tight. I'm, I'm, I'm sweet. He doesn't, he's not one of those people. He stays yeah. like very, very focused. And he was also like, look, later in my career, when I was just trying to make sure that I had a long NBA career, I mm-hmm. didn't want to be defined by Lynn Sanity. I wanted to have mm-hmm. my own career that wasn't like, oh, yeah, that's one chapter of it. But like, I was running away from it for a really long time. Oh, right. Um, so like, it's he like didn't the, want to make it like a fluke. Like, I deserve to be here. I deserve to be a starter. Exactly. Exactly. Look, I respect it and I understood all of that. But it took like, and you know, it's funny. I made that Obama example earlier. I was like saying that to him. He was like, yo, you need to stop comparing me to Obama. <laughs> <laughs> That's a um, humble man right there. He, he is an extremely humble dude. And you can tell, yeah. Look, I'll be real with you. Like for 10 years, I just assumed that he understood what insanity meant to. Like the gravity of the situation. I just never even, I just never even thought more than that. I was just like. You know, it's the same way I assume that Obama understood what it meant for everybody mm-hmm. to be president, right? Like, when you become a symbol of that hope, of that, like, possibility, we're all human beings at the end of the day. So we don't we don't know how people to handle that, right? And and I yeah. think it was wrong for me to assume that he he just, like, understood exactly how I felt. Uh-huh. But one, obviously, millions of people felt that way. Um, and our interviews are a great example. Yeah, because he came across very surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Well, like, but here's the thing. You heard you heard Jeremy in the movie. Like, he's he's very aware of like how it's seen now and what it means to people. When we got to the conversation about like just making this about the community and anti Asian violence, like, yeah, we were we were on it. Okay, good. When we when we got Jeremy in, even so, we got Jeremy. Okay, let's go, let's go. Hmm. Big places, start funding this thing. Even then, it wasn't it wasn't happening. Oh, really? But, yeah. Even with him on board. Even with him on board. We uh, we raised enough money to get this thing to the stage where we had a we did all the interviews and we we had a string out and that's when for, uh, HBO first heard about the movie mm-hmm. and they have been incredible to us. Um, our our HBO producer Bentley Weiner, you know, she was like Trayvon was working on another project with her, and he just mentioned that you know, I, I'm working on this other thing called Thirty Eight The Gardens about Jeremy Lin and Insanity, and she was like, I've been waiting. <laughs> project about insanity for 10 years okay <laughs> tell me about this project nice and that's when the conversation with hbo began hbo coming in is is why you see the movie the way it is right now like it, okay it, it is a beautiful pro- product um that is very much like collaboration that we've had with them they i mean i can't i can't complain about anything with the way that they've treated this project and the way they've elevated um, all the voices in that doc and, and this topic in general. Yeah. Uh, kudos, by the way, having Iman Shumpert and Tyson Chandler. 
you can tell like they legit love this guy. Yeah, they only had really good things to say about him. Thank God, you know what I mean? Like, cause he deserves everything about that. Yeah. Um, is there like any f- fucking like memorable moment that stood out while you're doing this project? Man, that Hassan story about the Toronto buzzer beater took me out. Ooh, when he I was saying play. move. Yeah, yeah, you know, he, he that hit that buzzer beater against Toronto, right? And Hassan's talking about the wave off. Yep. I've been thinking about Linsanity for 10 years, and I just never even thought about it from that perspective, about it being like... Me too, yeah. Yeah. We refused to see the stage. We're the protagonists. We're not the supporting character. Um, Going back to those pre-draft notes from the NBA, like, lacks Mm -hmm. confidence, always passing the ball to his teammates. Like, talk about being the very opposite of that. Yeah. I was, I think I was just ha- hyped that he he made the basket, right? I was like, oh my Dude. gosh. But like to break it down on that level was amazing to me. That is probably my uh, my favorite moment, deep, deep moment in the movie. There's so many. So I would say like my favorite joke in the movie is when Jenny Yang and Ronnie Chang tag team for that David Ho joke. Oh, oh yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That took me out. So that, I would say that one too. So it's like that deep moment and then that, that hilarious, because I didn't bring it up. They brought it up oh, separately wow. on yeah, their own. Yeah, and the, the, the animation in, in, the, in the thing, like that fridge, that fridge is like my fridge growing up. Like <laughs> that, That's my parents putting David Ho, was Time the Magazine cover on, on the fridge. Be this you know, guy. Like, yeah. Especially if you're a millennial, you're Asian, and yeah. your parents really want to be a doctor. That was, your, that was supposed to be your MJ. Yeah, that's your right. hero. <laughs> yeah, we, were, we all wanted to be MJ, but your parents were like, you have to be David Ho. <laughs> yes, I don't know if you've seen the movie yet, but I'm like so, I'm like really excited for David Ho to watch the movie. Oh my God, imagine. <laughs> you got to slide into his DMs and ask him if he's actually watching this thing. <laughs> or just send him like a short clip of this reference. That, I mean, I don't know. I don't think David Ho strikes me as somebody that has social media. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> Very serious. Maybe his kids. He's like busy finding another cure. Exactly. That's exactly yeah, what he's doing. That's what he's doing right now. Going back to that Toronto moment, I vividly remember that shot in Toronto more than I do at the actual 38 at the Garden. Wow. Because that was on Valentine's Day. Yeah. And I was with my wife. We were at the most romantic restaurant in all the world, uh-huh. the Cheesecake Factory. the cheesecake factory is not k-town so i was not necessarily surrounded by people that look like me yeah Mm -hmm. but still every person in that restaurant from every seat you can pretty much find a tv and they had this game on every fucking tv every patron of the restaurant of the cheesecake factory whether they were asian whether they were white they were like glued to this and my god when he was taking that shot and he hit it I jumped up, I screamed, my table screamed. Half the restaurant was like going crazy for that shot. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys feel this way. Like when Linsanity was first happening, I kind of felt like that was the first time I personally held my chest up high and recognized the fact that I was Asian American. Mm. That's true. It's one of those things where until you see someone doing something that represents you, you don't actually know what you're missing or you discover these new feelings about what it is like to be Asian American. Yeah. Well, look, this is still a very new identity, right? I think like people, I mean, if you really go ham on what Asian American identity is, it's still very nebulous for people. So moments like that form community, they form identity. Yeah. Um, So much of the Asian community in this country are people who came after the 1965 immigration nationality act from all over Asia. Mm -hmm. So, very much first generation, second generation people. So a lot of people are holding on to the old country, 
right? Yeah. It's just, I mean, it just takes time to break away from that. That's the American experience. So you combine that with an identity that a lot of Asian American West Coast activists created in the late 1960s as uh, influence from black power. That's where the phrase Asian American comes from. So you're asking this very American, very pre-1965 identity to be assigned to people whose the vast majority of his families came recently. It's really hard because a lot of people are like, nah, I'm Korean. No, nah, I'm Vietnamese. No, nah, I'm Hmong. No, nah, I'm Asian. I'm Chinese, whatever. Like, like yeah. people, people are attached to the old country because that's just proximity. Right. So this very American identity was created by West Coast activists from people from like Japanese and Chinese identities way back, right? Before 1965 to, to assign that to a group of people who feel very new in this country. It's, mm-hmm. it's always been awkward. It's always been hard. And moments like Lynn Sanity to me are moments when people start making that identity more real. Right. Because anybody with an Asian face, if you you present as Asian in this country, you felt something during mm-hmm. during insanity. That's sort of the melting pot of America. Right. You sort of have to all identify as Asian instead of like your own native country, your mom's country, dad's country. Yeah. Um, in order for you in order for you to, 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 to form the identity. So I think that's that's the way I always felt about that moment, too. Mm. Yeah, we just went deep into history. I don't, I, we don't need to. No, go. No, 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 it's good. <laughs> that, was good. Cool. that was deep. take. <laughs> It's been 10 years, like you said. In that moment, things felt so grand. But 10 years down the line, those feelings that we had during that time, that pride that we felt, um, how come it didn't translate to more than what it it actually did? Mm. That's the ultimate question that I had coming out of this. During the times in between Linsanity and these past couple of years, it didn't feel like much happened. Yeah. You had the media taking some steps up. You had more representation seen in media. It's Even that was three, four, maybe five years ago, right? Right, right, right. There yeah. was still a lag in between. And, you know, like the, the hard part about all of this is like, I think there's a lot of lip service, right? And um, I think anti-Asian violence is a scary enough phenomenon for people to pay attention. Yeah. For sure. Um, but when you look at the Asian stories that people pay attention to, it still involves somebody who like, is saying hiya and going ham on some kicks or punches, right? Yeah, yeah. It's still just display of ridiculous wealth, right? Mm. Like Crazy Rich Asians, House of Ho, or yeah. like Bling Empire. Yeah. Those are the things that people watch when when is an Asian story. I mean, look, I obviously I watch everything, but like I love the farewell, I love Minari, I loved all those great movies by the way. Stories, yeah. Right. Mm. But like, you know, outside of like my community and like, you know, like well meaning, well intentioned intended like liberals like who, who's like people aren't watching that right yeah i'll be honest with you I, I'll, I'll tell you why we we made it a short because we definitely had enough material to make it a feature mm-hmm. yeah. um when trayvon was competing for for his oscar you know he was getting a lot of like just like press hits and analytics on on like how the movie is doing compared to other stuff and he, his was a short and he was like that was the year minari was was nominated for a, a academy award for best picture best yeah. picture okay and he was like, yo, you're not, you're not going to believe this when I'm seeing these reports. And I'm like, what? He's like, my short is getting more PR than Minari. Huh. People don't want to watch Asian stories, man. Yeah, I was oh. going to say, I was gonna say, it, it, it kind of yeah. low-key means like they don't give a shit. Okay, and like that's, that, have you seen that movie? That movie's amazing. It is, yeah, it's I love great. Yeah. Yep. Right? I, yeah, I got mad emotional. And I, I mean, I watched The Farewell with my mom. We both cried at the end, right? Like, you know, it's just that was a great movie. Incredible movies. Like, everybody should be watching these movies. And like, the hard reality for being Asian in America is like, 
unless unless you kick in somebody or or you got mad wealth, people are still not paying attention. And when we when we came to it, we we're like, okay, you know what? We're not giving anybody any excuses. Okay, if we made this like a two hour doc. What like Asian Americans will watch it and basketball fans will watch it. We want to send a message with this movie about stereotypes and yeah. especially talking about it in the context of anti Asian violence. That's why we made this movie. It we was really powerful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank it you. was really powerful towards the end. I was like, oh my god, like yeah, this is the fucking grave reality of what's really going yeah. on. Mm-hmm. It just right. acknowledge what's going on. That's all we're asking. And when it's thirty eight minutes long, you don't have an excuse not to watch it. Yeah, true. Okay? Except for those two PR people that you mentioned, who uh, <laughs> interviewed you but forgot to watch the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you, you get what I mean, though, right? Like yeah. That, yeah. That's why like people are like, well, "Why is it a short?" I'm like, "It's a short because it, we don't want to give anybody any excuses." Okay, that's the bargain we're we're making with the American viewer. Right? That's what it's like to be Asian in America. That's all tough. Right? We don't have a kung fu movie. Because you have all the stuff there to make this, like you said, a full-featured movie, but you're basically saying that you're making this shorter just so you don't lose people's attention spans or give them another reason not to watch the film. A hundred percent. That is more of our community having to adjust what we want just for yeah, the man. broader audience. You'd rather not. you rather not. But I'm not, not giving anybody any excuses. Did you get any, like, was there any people that gave you shit for this, like, backlash and stuff? I mean, if you want to go on Twitter, people are like, how could you make a documentary about something that happened for two and a half weeks? What is that? You know? Like, Haters, you know what? I don't, I, one, you're talking about it, which means that, like... Good press. Good for us. But two, like, go watch the movie, man. Because I yeah. guarantee you that even if you're a huge basketball fan, I have not had one person after they've watched the movie who has come up to me and want to talk basketball. Not one. This entire yeah. show. So we premiered at Tribeca in June. And then we ran the gamut for Asian American Film Festival this summer. And it was just mm-hmm. audience award after audience award. You can imagine, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, at our HBO event, I can't think of one person that asked me about basketball after, after the movie. The tail end of the movie, you specifically chose to dedicate a whole third of it to Asian hate that's happening in the past couple of years. Yeah. yeah. Why was that the conscious choice to do so? Because it's about, the movie's actually about stereotypes, right? Like you know, at, at Tribeca, the, there was this little kid. You know, we had like four screenings at Tribeca. One of them was with the Knicks, and Jeremy had invited. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> Jeremy invited all these Asian American community organizations from New York to watch it, and they brought a lot of people. And um, there was this little kid. Uh, he didn't look older than like ten years old. Okay, okay. He was, like sitting close to the front, and towards that part of the movie, the anti-Asia hate movie part, he's crying, dude. Oh damn! It's I it's don't graphic. Know what no, but like I don't know what you were like when you were ten. I was sort of an idiot. I'm not crying at any movie. That's just, I don't know any, enough about the world to, to cry at a movie. Right. Right. It was worse back then too with some of the shit you were watching. Yeah. It's like Scarface. You watch yeah. it as a kid, you're like, oh shit. But it's to say that the movie had a deeper meaning that touched that particular kid in a way that right. you and I, when we're watching these other things as a kid, that we never really felt. Because yeah. he's going to school and he's experiencing this. I'm sure you all have, you know, or you got kids or you have friends yeah. with kids. In the age of COVID, what are they saying to their kids before they walk into the classroom? Don't Tough, make any yeah. noises. Don't draw attention to yourself. They're going right. to call you Kung Flu. They're going to call you China virus. Like whatever. And I'm like, I, that broke my heart. And like, the biggest reaction that was unexpected for me, mm-hmm. and if we did expect it, maybe it wouldn't have dropped so many F-bombs in the movie, <laughs> is just how kids are reacting to it, man. Because a lot of kids, they don't remember Linsanity or they weren't even alive. You know, Jeremy's Foundation has been collecting a lot of these letters, like essentially a lot of kids writing reviews of the movie. Oh. I, if I show them to you, you cry. Wow. Damn. Like anything is possible. 
Anything is possible. And, and if you don't have examples of that, what you were saying earlier about how, like, you know, it seemed like t- in 10 years since Lanzani, like not much has changed. Like, mm-hmm. they don't have those examples on, on TV. They, they don't have those stories that people can tell. They don't have those stories that their parents can tell them about being like, hey, you know, like you can do anything you want. Even in this country telling you that you don't belong here, when, right. you, when, they're, when, when they're calling you China virus or whatever, like you can do anything you want here. And yeah. that's what, like, that's like, I'm sorry, I'm getting like, like that's what Lanzani I have a son too, and I completely get that. I never thought about it in, in that fashion. You and I were old enough to live through all that, and we were pretty yeah. much adults at that point, so yeah. it maybe didn't impact us the same way. Yeah. I never thought about the fact that young kids these days either never grew up with that or had such a very faint memory of that that it didn't really mean anything. Yeah. And for them to relive that moment and to see that someone that looks like them can do so much and not have it be a fictitious character, because that's different. True. It's great seeing representation in movies and TV those are stories. This is a real life human being yeah. who grew up in this country, who lived through all this shit, and then being able to revisit a point in his life that can now inspire kids of this particular exactly. age. Yes. I never thought about it like that. Yeah, man. That's that Pablo Torre line at the end of the movie. Mm. Speaking of Pablo Torre, uh, he was at ESPN, whatever. They thought he was an IT guy. Yeah, man. <laughs> and, yo, I was like, man, and this guy's so smart. Pablo Torre is like. <laughs> Pablo Torre went to Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I oh, didn't did know that. Damn. Oh, there we go. You'll see, it shows. Sheesh, yo. Speaking of like all the people that you had onto the documentary, what was the choice between choosing who? I mean, look, I, I, you told, I, we told you earlier about how the fundraising worked and everything else. Who said yes? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, by the way, Iman is a great storyteller. I love listening to this guy. Also, just like the honesty, man. Like, cause like yes. the whole section, when he's talking about like Jeremy sleeping on the couch, man, like mm. the way he put it in perspective of things was just, it was so, it cut right to the chase. Like, I don't want to give too much away, but you know, like he's like, you know, like you ever play against somebody who sleep on the couch? <laughs> playing against most of the players are just sleeping like in their mansions or their luxury apartments afterwards. Exactly. Right. I always put it this way. I don't know if you all seen uh, Bend It Like Beckham, which is like one of my favorite movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. OG throwback. Bend It Like Beckham is about the same thing, right? About convincing your parents that you can follow your dreams playing sports. And the yeah. end of the movie is her being having convinced her parents and she can finally go to America to play college women's soccer, right? So I, the way I describe it to people, I'm like, this movie is if she went to America, became incredible and then like performed on the global stage (laughs) like you can't write this no you You can't can't write this story what jeremy did is insane it blows i mean to this day even after making this movie i mean after 10 years i still can't believe it happened i agree with you it's crazy if you pitched the whole story of jeremy lynn to like a movie producer they're gonna be like dude this like no way (laughs) that get out of here man i'm not buying it that's how amazing this thing is Okay, this is Linji from the future, uh, aka the future five minutes from now. <laughs> um, Frank had to run because he had another interview. Uh, the conversation went so well and so fun that we both fucking lost track of time. We needed more time. We will not leave you listeners without our favorite section of every single podcast. There you go. Ranting and raving. Unfortunately, mm. Frank cannot join in on this, but in case I do get like a message from him, if he does have something to bitch about, I will record something. Maybe if we uh, meet up with him. We're we'll like, yo. That's not going to work out for the time of the release. Oh, fuck it then. Just kidding, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Time to get to our favorite segment of the whole podcast. Uh, this one's a little bit weird, but let's make this work somehow. Right. Um, our favorite segment, we're going to be talking about crypto. <laughs> oh, no. Just kidding. My bad. Ranting and raving. Ben, 
what do you have to bitch about this week? Um, I'm going to keep it in theme of the of our guest. So sometimes I go to raves when I was younger, when I was a young lad. Mm-hmm. The thing is, sometimes people wear fucking basketball jerseys. So I would rock. I didn't have a Jeremy Lin jersey at the time. But I'll wear a New York Knicks Amari Stoudemire jersey. Okay. But while I'm walking through the crowd, right? Every motherfucking dude will come like, yo, Jeremy Lin. This is happening what nowadays or back then the days? Oh, back, back then, though. Okay. Actually, you know what? I got to do a social experiment. I got to try that again. But they'll just straight up come up to me like, yo, Jeremy Lin. Oh, my God. Jeremy Lin, bro. So, yeah, that's my rant. You guys are fucking racist, but go Knicks. We're going to win <laughs> it this year. So, there you go. Greatest point guard <laughs> of the, all time. Of all time. <laughs> Maybe in the past 20 years, at least. Come on, guys. Jeremy Lin could play right now and he'll get us a fucking ring. New York Knicks, sign him. You've got some uh, very strong opinions. I Thank you. want the bitch about my back. <laughs> <laughs> I want the Frank to hear this. Anyway, <laughs> my back hurts. Right now? Dude, I'm like, we are in our mid to late 30s. Uh-huh. I don't think I should be experiencing this kind of back pain. I really don't. And What'd you do? And the amount that I take care of myself yeah. physically and enough sleep and stretching after working out and all that stuff, I shouldn't be feeling this. Yeah. So anyways, for most of my life, I used to sleep face down like I was trying to suffocate myself. That is so (laughs) fucking weird. Are you serious? (laughs) Most of my life, I used to go face down and that's just how I slept. And I always slept comfortably like that. So How the fuck? So from the outside looking in, it looked like I was trying to suffocate myself with my pillow. You look like you're drowning in the ocean (laughs) in a bed. That's what it looks like. I slept like that my whole life and I never had back issues. So now I've reverted back to sleeping on my back. So like a regular human being, Uh I have my back on, on the thing and I'm facing up into the ceiling like that right the other day i had insomnia for a couple of days and i was like turning in bed uh-huh. and eventually i ended up on the same suffocating facing down position you weird fuck and i guess i must have fallen asleep in that position because uh-huh. i woke up with extreme back pain and this on is on your stomach no on my back dude what the fuck this is a new kind of back pain i know it's because of that i have had some back pain but it's usually lower back pain so i know that's different than this this is mid back pain which is brand new to me yeah, uh, that, that, yeah. Old dog can learn new tricks. This is brand new kind of back pain. So I know it's directly as a result of me sleeping on my stomach. Can so. I ask you what kind of mattress you're sleeping on? I sleep on like a $3,000 mattress. Wow. <laughs> wow. This guy just had to fucking throw the number. I asked what kind of bed, sir. Not what, not how much fucking capital you invested into this shit. <laughs> All right, guys, you heard it, right? This I motherfucker. S- Go I, on. I sleep on a Tempur-Pedic. Oh, dude, you could have just said that, man. This uh, this this episode is not sponsored by Tempur-Pedic. Yeah, my God, three thousand dollars. That's before tax too, but. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck so my- yes, please complain about your fucking amazing bed. Yes. Fuck my back pain. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I don't even know what to say. Like, uh, do you need to work? You work out too. I don't get it. Be fuddled right now. I'm just looking at Lindsay. Um, we have to wrap this up. I know you've got oh. a, another thing to get to right after this. Dude, it was amazing talking with you. Thank you so much for this, man. Next time Thank that you. you're in back in New York, we'll try to get together. Or if you're doing any other projects here. Perfect. Perfect. We could definitely perfect. do K-Town. Definitely do K-Town. I would love um, that. For those that don't know, where can they watch this film? October 11th on HBO and streaming on HBO Max. I will have the links down below. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, you will love this thing. It will really transport you back. It doesn't matter if you're a basketball fan. If you're just a human being with emotions, you will really, really enjoy this film. Yes. And Frank, dude, it was amazing chatting with you. Thank you, man. I hope you're Thank caffeinated you. for the next interview. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I know you got to right. run, okay? Take care, folks. Thanks for having me. Love you, man. 
please do watch the movie. Do watch the film. It's on HBO Max. It is a great time. Frank is an amazing character. He's a man. Um, the film is actually amazing. It's super short, like he said. It's freaking 38 minutes, so mm -hmm. you're not going to waste any time actually watching it. It is a lot to do about sports, obviously, but it has a much, much deeper meaning. It has a bigger picture. If you don't have HBO Max, help up the numbers. Go All sign right. up for HBO trial membership, watch the I, movie, then cancel your trial. I got it even better, guys. I'm going to put Linji's address, and you guys just, just come over and have a little slum slumber party and just watch with him. And he'll uh, massage his fucking back at the same time. All right, guys, that, uh, that is not a real message. Do not do that, please. I got you guys. If you want to stay up to date with what we're doing on a daily basis, follow us at Worst Asian Pod. That's Worst Pod on every single social media, especially Instagram. That's where we stay connected with you guys. If you want to support us, just tell your friends about it so that they can follow us. Uh, leave us a five-star written review on Spotify and Apple. If you want to support us financially, we have an Amazon referral link. Mm -hmm. You buy whatever the fuck you want. Uh, Jeff Bezos gives us a couple cents. Mm -hmm. Or if you are loaded with money, we also have a Buy Me a Coffee link. That's where you give us that money. But I'm not joking. Don't ever fucking feel obligated. It's just there for the people that can't afford to just drop $100 bills from their pockets. Yes. If you're very bored and drunk <laughs> and want to do a good thing, don't be shy. In the meantime, we'll catch you guys next week. Adios. Bye. See Bye. ya later. Bye.